And through every teaching, we've opened up with the verse that tells us the importance of a vision. So go ahead and put up Habakkuk. We're going to start off with that. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Or, yes, 2 through 4, I think it is. So praise God. Because when God sets you out on the will of God, he calls it not just a vision. We can, we can establish visions all day. But he says, I'm going to set you on a divine plan of God, and it's going to have a divine vision, and in it there's going to be divine protection, and he's going to bring you right into where God has prepared you to be. And so he reminds us in Habakkuk 2.3 that then the Lord answered me. He was answering a prophet, and he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. So in this verse, he makes it really important that the first thing we've got to do when God starts showing us things, what do we do? We have to what? Write it down. In fact, there's a lot of people that as they develop in the body of Christ and out in a marketplace, the first thing they're going to tell you is write out what is being shown to you. And so as we grow, he tells us in his word that we have to make it plain on a tablet so that he may run who reads it. All right, so there's going to be established people that when they see the plan, they connect with the vision, they're going to run with it. It doesn't mean it's always going to be a comfortable race, but they're going to know that they're connected and assigned to it. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. I like it when I hear statements and I read those in the word. I always think of myself sitting and Jesus tapping me on the head. It's just for an appointed time, letting me know that we can't create it without him. We have got to stay in this right alignment, because what he does is divine. It is it is going to be the perfect will, but it is for an appointed time. But at the end of at the end, so he always, when Jesus is involved, there is a beginning and there's a what an end. He is the starter and he is the finisher of what he's doing. And it says, but at the end it will what speak and it will not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Now that's awesome to me because if there is anything that I have learned about being in Christ and Christ and him being in me and me being in him is learning is that what he's going to do with our life, it will come to pass. If you stick with it and you don't abort the mission or the vision and you tarry and you wait, it will surely come. It will not tarry. So when it is at its time, it's going to hit you. And it's going to be completed. And you know then you're ready for your next rotation or your next assignment or what you're to do. And so he does have a start and a finish. And that gives us hope. Doesn't that give you hope? That gives you hope. And so we have been talking about things that build and help us develop this vision. We have talked about perseverance. We've talked about communication. We've talked about faith. We've talked about all these arenas that help keep us focused on what the vision God has had for us. And so today we're going to finish up this whole session because there will be no December train to rain. We will be finishing up this session. But today we're going to talk about something that's so important. We've talked about all these great topics, but the one that really aids to any vision is prayer. And so we're going to talk about prayer and the importance of prayer that it has with helping us to obtain the vision God has set before us. And prayer is an important key for success in a vision. And then this is the notes that we have on this prayer through prayer. We take over in the heavenlies. All right. So this is something God has already given us a tool for us. He's given us his son. He's given us. I love it. Worship. We can worship him. He's given us. He's taught. He's taught us through his word about prayer. We can actually take over in the heavenlies. It's it intercepts the enemy's plan to destroy the vision. All right. That's part of working out our salvation. That's part of working out what we're called to do in a plan and a vision that's by God is that he already tells us there's going to be what? Attacks. All right. And so that's when he says we've got to tarry. Part of tarrying is in our prayer. I mean, and you know that you, we talked about commitment. We talked about faith. We talked about all these things in prayer. We have to use and activate those elements because prayer will help intercept the enemy's plan to destroy the vision. It will activate the power of God and you will receive strategies to carry out that plan of the vision. 
You know, there are great people all through the Bible that had connected with a vision. And that doesn't mean that they understood where that vision was going, how it was. They just knew that they connected with it. They had the faith of God. They were committed and they were walking it out. But prayer is something that God gives us a constant communication with him through his son so that we can, he helps us with knowing the instruction of that vision and how to get there. And I love this because all through, even the Old Testament, when you look at it, there are men who were given very strong visions of God. David was given the strong vision to build a what? A temple. But he wasn't the one to do it. His son was the one to do it. Go ahead, Todd, put up 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. Because when Solomon was assigned to build a temple, there is nothing that we can't do, that we can do in this world unless God has given us a measure of that vision. Unless God is the center of that vision. He has to be the center of it. He says in 2nd, not 2nd Corinthians, 2nd um, Chronicles 7.14. 2nd Chronicles 7.14. Yeah. If my people who are called, can you turn the volume just a little bit? I feel like I'm screaming a little bit. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, this is awesome. King Solomon was put to build a temple, but the first thing that he took a responsibility of is he had to focus the responsibility on him. He wasn't he wasn't worried about all the other details. That, that all was going to come, but he had to actually focus because that temple was going to be dedicated to God. And if you dedicate your businesses to God or whatever you do, we as leaders are responsible to focus our responsibility on having the people seek God. I mean, we have to want to seek him in any vision or plan that we're headed to. Jamie's headed for a new job in Macon. When she gets there, she's got to establish that she is what? Seeking God in that new place. When people come into CE Hall, Thursday mornings, we all, the whole real estate team worships. We worship because we're putting in place that this, we, we, we yield that this company cannot grow in what he has it to be unless we all do what? Seek him. And I like it. King Solomon told this to his people, my people, that's God's people who are called to my name will humble themselves. They will pray out the vision. They will pray for the direction. They will pray and seek him for the instruction and they will seek my face. They'll worship him. They will turn from their wicked ways. You know what? Anytime God shows you a grand vision, our flesh comes right into it and we can create it and we can make it what we want it to be, make it look like how we want it to be. We can make it successful because I love this. God has given us all good gifts, right? But he's given us gifts, that natural gifts that are irrevocable. And so he says you can use them any way you want to use them. But now you're only going to really succeed and when you use them for me. So what's the first thing you have to do? Seek him. What's up? Solomon put it right down. He said, all the people, as we're going to build this temple, that verse came in a time when he was about to build the temple and he was laying it out right. Everybody's going to seek him first. We're going to start praying for this vision. And he goes, we will what? He Then what? I will hear from heaven. We want to hear from heaven every day. I mean, when I started getting that, when I, even though God was humbling me, he made me come to zero. He put me in a high place. He allowed me to be in this high place and put me to zero so I could hear him because he's given me some pretty good gifts that I could hear myself really well in those gifts. But when I humble myself, now he uses those gifts, but it's not all the way. I can't do the things I used to do anymore. They don't work anymore. It doesn't work. When you surrender the vision he has shown you and you give it to him and you seek him, that means if there is increase, it comes from him. If you are truly dedicated to prayer and seeking him, worshiping him, you will hear from heaven. And he says he will forgive their sin and he will heal their land. That's the best part. So we're not even, you know, it's fun and it's exciting to receive what you see or to get close and to tarry and to be able to do that. But if along the way he's not forgiving sin or healing your land, which is your soul, if he's not healing you along the way on the ways that are of him, then it's in vain. And what's vain? 
when I looked up vain, vain means for your own personal benefit. <laughs> so if we're taking things, God wants to bless us along the way. But if our motive is for our own personal ven- benefit, he's going to do two things for us. He's going to start removing the sin in us, which sin means to what? Miss the mark of faith in Christ. All right. Because when he shows you something, you have, he wants you to walk it out with him. And that's the important part of vision. Vision is great. I, I know that I can see great vision, but every time I tried to create it, it did come of something, but then it also failed. Because if you are truly my people, if we are truly sons and daughters of God, then we're going to seek it out because he's the one who really created us. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the earth. He is in charge of the lost, the found, an animal, the water, the seas, the everything that he created. He can change and alter at a moment's notice for his plan, for his will. And that's where he humbles us in the prob- in that way. So God has chosen a way. He's chosen a vision for all of us. And one of his ways to obtaining it is through prayer. Prayer is an open communication that you can have with God. And the only way we got it is because Jesus came and he opened up that way for us to be able to just pray. We are to come boldly to the throne looking for his mercies and his grace. And boldly to the throne means you come exactly as you speak, right? Because I laugh at some of this because I didn't want to pray to God until I could say it nicely to him. <laughs> I didn't want to pray to him at all because, you know, well, I know what I'm thinking, but he knows what I'm thinking too the whole time. So now I have learned, you come with your whole feelings. You come with exactly as you're thinking it out. You, you blurt it out to him. And I love it because as you really put out your truth, within each and every one of us is a sound. And the Lord showed me when I looked up the word tongue one time, and it said note or sound. In each and every one, there's a sound that if it's from a true, sincere heart, it reaches heaven. And it can be at your worst date. It can be at your most confusing moment. It can be because in the world teaches you to have a vision and they teach you the steps on how to build that vision. And you're supposed to successfully run through that. But that wouldn't be him because with him, he says, I'm going to forgive their sin. We're all born in sin. We all have acts of things we miss. We miss the mark because we, are, we have to grow and learn in him. And he says, and I will heal their land. So that means if you're really in a vision of God, then that means there's some forgiveness happening and there's some changing and renewing of your mind as you're being developed towards that vision. Now, how many people have experienced that? Right. Your mind has to be changed. There is a repression as you start funneling and focusing on the vision. So I love King Solomon how in his time and set, he was given an assignment. He was given a vision and that vision was generational. That started with his dad and got passed on to him. But he connected with that vision and his responsibility was get the people to focus on him so that sin could be forgiven and land can be healed. Please go to Psalms 24, 1 through 5. God tells us in his word the condition we need to be in, in prayer. It's very important that when we enter into praying and worshiping God so we can hear from the heavens, in Psalms it says the earth is the Lord's. And all its fullness, all its fullness. So there is no question that when we receive, it is because of him. The world and those who dwell therein. So he, if, if people who are not seeking him, they're not going to benefit from forgiveness of sins and their land being healed. And, but they're, they are still in this world. And he ultimately still has, as you would say in cards, what's it, the trump card? He ultimately has the final hand every time. It says, for he has found it upon the seas and he has established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? Now, that's a question. He is asking you, who may ascend into the whole, into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Well, I'm going to tell you, when Jesus came and he then died for us, now we, it's we, we should be saying me, me. I want to ascend into the hill of the Lord. I want to stand in his holy place. It's in that place that you have forgiveness of sin. It's in your place that the vision's being refined. It's in that place that you're tarrying for the ultimate receiving of his promise. 
who may stand in his holy place. He, now he tells us, who is that person? He, who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and the righteous from the God, righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now go back to that next screen, please. When he tells us who will be that person that will ascend and who will stand in the holy place, he says, when he says that he's going to forgive us of our sins and he is going to heal our land, he's telling us exactly how he's going to do it. He's going to clean our what? Our hands. Our hands is what holds sin. We create things. All right. When God puts out a vision, he moves it. All right. So the first thing he's going to do when he's forgiving our sins is he's going to clean our what? Hands. He's going to clean. Our soul has got to tell our flesh what to do. And if our soul is not renewed, then our hands are actually going to get themselves into some dirt. All right. So he wants to clean up our actions that are dictated from our soul. He wants to forgive those things. It says a pure heart. All right. When God starts moving in your life, you know when a pure heart is starting, you're crying. <laughs> there needs to be, there is something purified. Every time somebody starts breaking in the presence of God, when somebody starts breaking in their alone time, everybody in here has laid on their bed and cried like a baby in a fetal position over something they didn't get what they wanted, something they did not understand, and it started in childhood. <laughs> because when we are born into a place of sin and our mom and dad says no, right? Because they're trying to do it for our good. What do we do? We go into a corner and we what? Cry. We don't understand. But I love that because... Now, as we grow up physically, but as we're growing up in him, he's using those moments to push out the things that are not of God out of us. It is his internal mechanism. I don't know who I wrote this to this week when they say I'm crying all the time. Good. Because if you're not, I am concerned. If a person does not break down and cry, it doesn't make a difference if you're a boy or a girl. Crying is a mechanism that he has given us to push out what we don't understand. It is when our voice hits that sound so that we know he is purifying the heart. And that's the thing. And there is no vision that we're going to receive its ultimate fullness. He says he's in charge of all the what? Fullness. We're not going to receive it if we're not being cleansed and purified. Clean hands, pure heart. He is truly circumcising a heart. He is working he is taking that heart of stone because some of us have heart of stone. How do you know you have a heart of stone? You become so stubborn in your way. Mm. You just stick to it and you know what's pushing that stubbornness. And not a pure heart. Okay. A stony heart, a heart that hasn't been worked by God. And everybody's born to be worked. There isn't anybody that's not born after the dispensation of Jesus Christ to be worked so that Holy Spirit can be doing something from the inside out of you. And that's how you're going to be successful in the vision of your business. There, He already has called you all to a work. So in that work, when you touch that vision, the moment you say yes to that vision, you better start watching because your hands are going to start getting what? Clean. And you think your hands are already clean. <laughs> <laughs> and your heart is going to start getting purified one step at a time. It's awesome because now he says, who has not lifted his soul to an, who has not? We have all come into agreement with a lie, not knowing it was a lie. I do believe that being a school teacher for 11 years, these kids that come into my classroom, they're only being whatever they were taught. They're not, they don't know. Why do we have teachers? to teach the way, to teach a truth, to teach a knowledge. And so it says, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully? We've, that means we've done some things that aren't really, we've done it for our own vanity, not for him. It says, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord. The one who recognizes that they have done those two things, the one who, rec I just connected with an idol, the one who actually recognizes that they have that that they have sworn deceitfully against something and you've been able to I love that word repent now because repent sounded so bad <laughs> but
But repent is such a humbling word to get you to come into alignment with what you didn't do that wasn't clean or what you, what impurity was working in you. And then as you say yes to him and you're saying yes to the vision, because, you know, I love Jesus. The Lord is so good at tricking you right into your plan. (laughs) He gets you in a spot. So you're saying yes. And you don't even know what you're saying yes to because what he's showing you feels so good, right? And then the whole time you have to recognize, okay, set back. I love it when in Ezekiel, when he says, how do you know your healing's coming? The sundial goes, goes 10 degrees back before it will go 10 degrees forward. Well, that sound, that doesn't sound right. We're moving forward, right? You've got to go back and get some cleansing done. You have to go back and get some purity of the heart worked on. Then you can, man, I'm going to tell you, zero to 10 is faster then the zero back to <laughs> that just now, boom, it goes very quickly. And so, but you have to actually be, these two lines are saying, just be transparent with me while you're going through this. Just call up to me. Tell me how it is. And that is the one he, that person will receive the blessing. That person shall receive blessing from the Lord. And where's that blessing going to be found? In the ultimate vision he already had you write out. It's going to be found in there. Go to the, and it says, and I love the word righteousness. When we really get into him, I'll tell you, he wants to show us. In fact, I read this in an article where it says rain righteousness. You think about rain pouring on you. I love it. Have you ever just stood out and just let the rain pour on you and just start laughing? Because you're not in control of getting all that wetness. You know what I mean? You are standing there. Rain is falling on you. You can't control that. You can't tell the rain to stop. You have no umbrella to cover yourself. How many of you just given up in the rain? I'm just wet. (laughs) You're just walking out. That's what he wants to do with us in his righteousness. Now think about that. When he's bringing us into our plan, we have, he gives, I love it. Um, I don't even know a word to even, to think about it. But if I'm starting A and my plan is there, and then every time I get to one step where I have been transparent, my hands clean, my heart, you know, because it takes its layers to get there. And when you get a layer, he blesses you. You can feel that love being poured upon you. It is like rain. You know, so you have to think, if I'm getting this now and I'm not finished there yet, it just gets what? Better? It's just going to keep getting better. So, The righteousness from the God of his salvation. So bottom line is we all have to work out a salvation into a plan of God, into a plan. He has a divine plan. I love that word divine. It is a divine plan. Go to Psalms 88.2. He needs us to pray. He needs us to worship him, to intercept the enemy's attack on us because there is going to be attack. And how do you know there's attack? You're going to want to do something of the old self. Psalms 88.2 says, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. Man, that is, <laughs> it is so real. It makes me want to cry because he is going to outline himself in order, but it doesn't start until he can hear your cry. It doesn't start until he can hear your cry. I didn't move into the true will of God or the plan of God until I was crying in my car. And it was a cry. He knew my voice because I love in the word. He says, I preserve those who don't know. He preserves us in a way until it's time for our shift. And I'm going to tell you, thinking about if I didn't take the steps he's asked me to take, no matter what the circumstances, I would be miserable now. I may have things I think that are better, but I wouldn't be inwardly satisfied. My soul would never be at the peace that it has now. Because now it can be a crazy circumstance. And I truly do have peace because why? Every circumstance, if we use the wisdom of God, has the best outcome towards the ultimate receiving of the power of the vision. And so it has that. There is a faithfulness that we have to press forward in prayer. Acts chapter 6, give me verse 3. I love this because... There is an order God has to, and part of it is going to be faithfulness. We already talked about this as one of the elements of what is faith. And so it says, Acts 6, 3 says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of God. Now, I think this is interesting. You start, God gives you a vision, all right? But he doesn't give you a vision to do alone. 
He is going to add people to that vision. And then there becomes an order has to get set. I don't know how many of you, when you look at, like, when you go into a job, everybody's worked for another man, right? When you, when I went to a school system, there was what? I was a teacher, but there was a principal, okay? Then who was above the principal? The superintendent, all right? And then who was above the superintendent? A board of trustees, of people from the town, okay? Because even a school system, because it's governmentally funded, is going to still have to have the voice of those who are part of it, all right? So think about that. A superintendent was the person in between the board of trustees who all got voted in. They don't get paid to necessarily do that, right? But you got the superintendent that now has to feed it to the people. Well, when God starts a vision in your business, so everybody in a business plan, it starts with one's vision. But then when you write it plainly out there, he's going to now send a layer of people. All right. Even in Acts, you know, Jesus had to get his what? 12 disciples in place. And then after his 12, all right, when Jesus was gone in Acts, there was so much going on during that time. They had to take the next layer of disciples, the 70, pull them out and say, I need seven who are going to really help use the wisdom of God and the direction of God to build that business. Because here's what he said. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of God of good reputation, full, here was the job requirement, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this what? Business, all right? Before this verse, the disciples were spending so much time in the word of God because God needed them to have time with him, all right? There's a center, there's like a core that they had to spend time. They've already did their measure of work, but they had to keep tapping in. So now there were more multiple, um, the multitudes were growing in the development. So now people had to be assigned, but you can't say that that person has to be like you. Do you know what I mean? Every vision is going to draw people. You know what we do in business? Sometimes we're so successful at setting up our business. Sometimes we are actually punching out the people that are supposed to be the ones that are supposed to help us because we think they're not like us. And that's where we have to be open because he says we have to be in like mind. And they have to know they're connected to vision. How do you know they're connected with vision? They are committed. We already went over all this. They are persevering and staying with it. They're not worried about what they're getting. They know that they're connected to the vision. When we started with a real estate firm, you have two people, right? Then you have agents. Then you have what? It's supposed to keep going. There's supposed to be a measure, but you have to actually still, I, I could not do my job without Francis. I could not do it. It couldn't work. If I didn't say, Frances didn't have to be like me. I remember when I met Frances in her house, I heard, hire her. She tells me, I have like no skills. I haven't worked for over how many years, Frances? Eight years. She hadn't been in the workforce for like, you know, for a long time. But yeah, I heard, I knew I was supposed to take her on. And I remembered that that's where it doesn't make a difference that she could do what I would do. Every time I hired somebody, I had other assistants before Frances that I thought, I want somebody just like me. Guess what they did? They became just like me, and they sold real estate and left. (laughs) You know, they went on to their next thing, okay? Because the people that are supposed to be there to help you with the vision aren't going to be all like you. They're going to have something else that you need. Well, I like this. The disciples knew that they actually had to seek out from among and pick seven good of reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That was really important to them. Did they, were they able to tap into the wisdom of God that we can appoint over this business? If your business is going to grow, we're ever going to, Jamie, when you go to the horse farm, I mean the shooting farm, this, a man has hired her to develop a place. She's going to have to have good discernment and wisdom on how she's managing the people because that's what this is about. Go to Acts 4, I mean, um, 6, 4. He goes on to tell us, I like this. He's establishing order, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right. You've got to know that whoever is helping you build the vision that's a divine will of God, that they're going to be a person that is going to give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You know why? What was safe for me about Francis and I went to the same Episcopal church. She said, I love it. It was like this. She always sat on that end. I sat on that in the back. 
<laughs> Frances sat with her kids. I sat with Rachel. And Frances and I met when our kids were getting confirmed in the Episcopal Church. And the one thing I loved about Frances is Frances always prayed. Frances is great at, you know, prayer. But I wasn't even thinking about that then, to be honest with you. But I loved how God put that in alignment. Isn't that awesome? God puts you in alignment with people that you don't have to really necessarily check out the resume. He's already got their reputation established. So it's kind of you trust people by what? What you experience with them. So when you think about development of your business, he's going to send somebody that's going to connect with the vision. And if you're going to put them in a position of responsibility, your vision has to be developed and it can't just be developed by you. It has to be developed by building other people. And that's going to be the true success of it. So there is a faithfulness in prayer that people that are connected to, it's going to come upon them. It's an outlined order that he has established. He wants people with the spirit and the wisdom a day to day establishing it. When we are growing in this, we have to know to put the whole armor of God on us. And in the armor of God, it starts with go to Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It gives you an order of how you're to establish your staff, how you're to establish the people that are working for you. And that's awesome because the last thing says that you have to be established in what? Prayer. Prayer has to be an important part of the people that are connected with you. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. We are going to be teaching our people this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the willies of the devil because in prayer and worship, you are breaking what's not supposed to be coming into the vision. It is our responsibility. The fulfillment of a vision is not going to come without people that can pray and know how to put the full armor of God on because the job is to what? Stand against the enemy. Don't let the enemy come and invade what he's doing. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that means there's a spiritual war going on. And we know that the people that are called to us, they're not going to fight with us. They're going to what? Pray up. They're not going to look to the people. People come in, they work in their column. If they're working in their column and they're not getting involved in gossip and all this stuff, you are inviting the enemy to come in. You're inviting anything that has to do with strife, anything that has to do with putting down another person, that is not him. But you know what? People have worked out in the real workforce. And if they have prayer, they can pray for those things to break. And they will break. Those things, you can prevent that. You're still going to experience it. But he says, put on your armor of God when you come in, because this is what we're, we're faced with. We're faced with this. It says, therefore, take upon the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having what? Girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Truth is the word. Breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are always should be walking every step out with what? Peace. Everything out that proceeds from us should be bringing peace. All right. Even in a crazy situation, it says above all, take the shield of faith in which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. That means work out that salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is your tongue, which is the word of God. That's what you're speaking out. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all what? Perseverance, supplication, and for all the saints. This really wraps it all up. The whole thing we've learned all year is wrapped up in knowing the armor of God. We talked about truth. We talked about faith. We've talked about righteousness. We've talked about all these elements, and I liked it. The last one was what? Prayer. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now get this. If you are praying, all right, we can come boldly to the throne and we can cry out to God because he's going to do what? Clean our hands, purify our heart. Okay, now we move into the next stage. If you are truly knowing you're, that you're in God's, you are in God's divine will. You got to get a hold of this because if you're in God's divine will, he's trying to teach you the things that are going to help you move towards your vision successfully 
without dealing with all the negative things that are coming. Negative things are going to come. But you've got to know, are you rearing the people up around you in this too? Because that you're, man, when you have a team of people that are praying for the right vision, do you know it has to come to pass? And you are protecting the team. And it's interesting, as I have grown to understand this, that praying is every day. Worshiping God is every day. Because you can't stop what the world's going to bring to you. But you can definitely be in alignment with what you're assigned to do. And so in that, if all your steps are peace, I like that, shod your feet with the gospel of peace. He already says you're going to be hit with the, with the problem. So as God is developing you, he tells you, you are called to a blessing. No, everybody is called to receive the blessing, but you have to, you have to think of yourself as wearing the armor and knowing that you have to pray to break into the heavenlies. And now how are you going to pray? I love this. Even Paul, as he matured in Christ, as he matured in his, the vision God gave him to accomplish on this earth. Do you know that when he spoke out, he spoke out with prayer. And what did he have in his prayer? The word of God. He did have his moments. He, he did have his, when he didn't understand what was going on. And I love this. God blinded him. I love, how, how can you see a vision if you're blinded? <laughs> he was getting him to be blinded from seeing the world so he could hear only him. And he was teaching him something. We have a period of time in our growth of Christ and our walking out salvation and knowing what our business, what we're to be doing, that you've got a good three years of first figuring out how to hear him. And you are working out this relationship. This relationship is being worked out. But then when you've experienced the righteousness, the reigning righteousness of God, and you've experienced his love, then now it's time to, I like this, roll up those sleeves. What word are you standing on? What word are you standing on? Even Paul, I like this, in, wow, I forget where this is. Even Paul, and it was in Peter. I have it written out. It's in Peter. He said, I am calling in Peter. Peter wrote this. I'm calling in the blessing. He says, I'm calling. He said, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Now he tells us how we have one mind. Okay. My goal with everybody in here is to have what? Compassion with one another. What's my second thing? Love everyone as a brother. I need to love you all as if you were born in my house as a kid, as a sibling. That means you, you treat your family sometimes different than you treat the people outside. Do you know what I mean? We're to treat everyone as a brother. And then it says, be tenderhearted. It says in this verse, to call in the blessing, you've got to get that one-minded. Compassion, love one another as a brother. Be tenderhearted as you're rearing up in what you're doing. And be courteous. Man, it says, this is in Peter. I think it's 1 Peter chapter 3 somewhere or to Peter, I can't remember which one it is, but he is telling us to be tenderhearted, courteous, all these things. But he says now, he warns us, this is what I love about God. He always reminds us of the impure heart, and he always reminds us of the dirty hands. Do not returning evil for evil, reveling, 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 reveling for reveling. But on the contrary, oh, is this Rahimi now? No. On the contrary, he writes in his word, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. I am going to tell you, he is going to, people can come into here and start connecting with the vision. Doesn't mean they're all called to be right here the rest of their life. They've got to be called here, reared up, and then sent to their next assignment. That's what I love about Jamie's testimony. Jamie's going to be giving the testimony soon, and it's powerful testimony. But he says he's going to change you along the way. So, not returning evil for evil, reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, what does he do when you make that switch? He gives you blessing, knowing, and you start knowing that you were called to this. I have experienced that. Every year I'm in this, I get one more year of measure of really knowing I'm connected. The next year, I'm really knowing I'm connected. And then the next year, even every year, a measure of knowing that you are connected to this body of Christ and this purpose or whatever vision in your business, he's going to do it. Well, then as Peter's talking, he says that you may inherit a blessing. 
He gives you a vision so that you can work this out, be processed, and you hit a point where you've got to start speaking his word because you are going to receive the inheritance of the blessing. All right? There is no blessing without a vision. There is no blessing without his divine vision. And then he starts speaking out the words of God. I love this. He, I, I, this is so cool. If he spoke out a section, it was his prayer. And he spoke out words from Psalms, words all different. Air. You can pick each line and they were already written before Peter ever came. And he's now, when we inquire to God and then require his word, we are praying it up to break the heavenlies. And this is what he said. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn from evil and do good. He is saying this because that's what the word is telling him to do. We can't become the word until we what? Speak the word. So God showed him he had to what? Love his brother, be courteous, do all these things. But he's not making this up. He's now standing on the word of God and he's reminding God, okay, this is your word. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain from his tongue. Why? It's hard for us to refrain from speaking what we want to speak. So he's actually requiring God of his word and reminding him, help me, let me. He is telling him, this is the plan. Let me refrain from my tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For my eyes of the Lord are on righteousness. We have to tell God that. For my eyes on the Lord are righteousness. And his ears, his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against all those who do evil. Peter prayed this out, reminding God of everything he already wrote before his time. So none of us, we are no different than Jesus. Jesus came on this earth and he had to what? Walk out the scripture that was already written. So when God has us write things out in our visions, it's because as we're working towards it, he's going to work on us to give us the fullness. But while we're walking, every layer we have to break. If I look at this as layers, these rows, and that's where my blessing is, that means every layer I have to break through darkness. And I have to speak out what he's telling me I need correction in. So obviously, Peter had a problem with his voice. <laughs> Peter had a problem with be Peter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just, he always calls himself a Peter. So that's the only reason I looked at you like that. Peter, sometimes, I love it. You invited the devil in your house the other day, right? <laughs> no, when we coming up to a level, there is something God has already given us, a word, and he's going to tell us that the negative and the positive. He's going to give it to us so we can start to grow and change from that word. And we start speaking it out. And every time we step, we break a layer. We come to another level of blessing in that vision. We walk it out. We speak up a layer. We break it. We come to another level of that mission, that vision. God blesses you supernaturally with experiences of that vision. Just so you will keep walking it out. Keep finding his word. What is it in me that needs to be purified? What is it in me that my hands need to be clean so I can get my next blast of blessing, right? That's the way we have to look at it. Isn't that awesome? Okay, now I love this. We're going to end this with this. What's the time check? Because this is awesome. 11.50? Great. This is perfect. I would like you to go to, we are the true vision. Here's the true vision. Here's the ultimate vision. Our vision on the world is nice, right? Like a business. But behind that business is the true vision that we're all connected to and we have to accomplish. In John chapter 9, go to verse 31. I love this. There's a true vision in our business and it's always going to be backed by this and this is what's going to happen in your business as God starts purifying you and changing you in John this is when Jesus healed a blind man that's why I like Paul's a great leader because Paul was made blind and when Paul was made blind it was because he could so he could stop looking at the world and so then God could guide him to where he needed to go and on the road to Damascus and get to where who was going to teach him the true vision of what his call was. There's a time we have to be blinded. You have to shut your eyes to everything. I want you to all try that later tonight. Shut your eyes and walk around your house. Do you know what I mean? I'm serious. Ask the Holy Spirit. Which way do I go? Right? Or do I go left? You know, ask. Start learning to develop hearing the inner voice. 
that's in you that knows the guaranteed truth, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed us this true vision, and it's behind every business. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, okay, that's not our own will. That's his will. He hears him. Okay, so I like this. We're going to start off with telling you how good it is, right? He says, if we know that God does not hear sinners, so that means we can have dirty hands and an impure heart and not even know it. God knows that we might not know it. But if we set ourselves, click into his will. All right, that's all you have to start off saying when you get in your car. Just align me in your will. That's all you have to do. You don't have to know anything else. When you connect that you're even willing to be aligned in his will, boom. He's going to start opening up his ears because if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. The first thing he's going to start teaching you is how to communicate with him, worship him, pray to him. He's actually going to start opening up a line. Go to the next verse, 32. I love this. He doesn't hear somebody who's not willing to be in his will. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. I'm going to read that again. This is deep. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. Who opened the eyes of the blind? Jesus. Jesus, nobody before Jesus opened the, isn't that awesome? That, that makes me cry. If you think about it, that means when the world began, there wasn't a blind person that was ever healed in the physical. It came after Jesus. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. Next verse. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Next verse. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. This is a conversation that a blind man who was healed by Jesus was trying to talk to people and tell him, I have been, I can now see. And he ran back to Jesus because he was being cast out after telling everybody, and everybody knew he was blind, and now he can what? See. He was seeing the true vision of Jesus Christ, because Jesus healed him. He forgave him of his sins, and he healed his land. And he gave him the miracle of being able to see. And in that seeing, the world did what? Cast him out. Every time we get into the will of God and he sets that vision before us, there are going to be people that are going to be removed from your life because they can't see what God did in you. They see you're different, but they're not. The, they, they cast you. I have been cast out of my old world. Only the ones that are still with me are assigned with the vision that I'm assigned to. And you can't worry about who's being cast out because when Jesus comes to you, and you know you've experienced it, your eyes have, you are not seeing the world, you're seeing what? Jesus. Behind every business plan, God wants blind eyes to see. It's a miracle that we're blessed and we are assigned in this time in his will to be pressing that out. He goes, so the guy gets cast out. Next verse. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. I love that. Jesus is so sensitive when we're being, when we are being, he, he cared. He, he already, he already gave this guy sight, but he says he heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? Because what happens when people start casting out, what happens to our flesh? It hurts. People are rejecting us. You are knowing this is a vision of God. You know you've asked to be in his will. Things start changing in your life, right, guys? You're getting cast out even by the ones you love. You're being cast out by the ones you love. But Jesus comes and speaks to you. And he says, but do you believe in me? Did, did, I, did I heal those eyes? And then you have to say what? Yes. You have to say yes. He says, do you believe in me? Next verse. He answered him and said, 
Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Next verse. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Now, the beautiful thing about this verse is that, oh, next. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he did what? Worshiped him. All right. That means sometimes in our first revelation of God, when we step out of that revelation, getting to what he has for us, you're going to experience that darkness of people. But in that moment is when he teaches you about real prayer. It's when he teaches you about really worshiping him. Because if you can connect into those realms, he's going to speak to you. And he's going to keep pressing you what? To believe in him more. And it comes, it grows, it grows, it grows. And then you get to experience those blessings along the way. And you receive, that vision now comes to you. And all you did was really physically stand still. But in the spirit realm, you were moving rows. I always say I came in here and sat in the back row. The vision was up here. My future was up here. But I sat in that back row. Before you knew it, as I was growing and learning and under, I was jumping rows, wasn't I? Jumping rows. I jumped right into here. And in that, he cleaned my hands. He purified my heart. I'm still not there. But I'm, I'm, because why? Why am I no, I'm not there? I'm still on this earth. So I haven't completed everything yet. I haven't received everything he has set for me. But I can tell you now, I don't want to get out of his thing. Out of his thing. I want to be able to have my eyes open, which they have been. And now worship him. Pray so that I can know this. That there, he says if I do that, the principalities and all the darkness can't get to me. It can't get to me. I, all it's doing is moving me faster to that vision. Isn't that awesome? When we really think about Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Because for me, any of the blessings of the inheritance that I receive and the love that I get is greater than anything I've ever experienced. And so you can't go back. You actually hit a point in that moving in the spirit. You don't go back. You can't go back because it's so, you look back at the people who are back there, they're miserable because they're not working towards their vision. They're miserable because they don't know how to get there. They don't know that there is forgiveness and they don't know that there's a land to be healed that's going to give you the fullness of joy. So is that awesome? We want to do our business not in vain. We want to do our business, what? We want to, we are all blessed that our eyes have been opened to the real truth behind every business. So I don't care if somebody's selling diet shakes, working a gym, selling clothing, selling real estate, building houses. I, it doesn't make a difference what you do. Behind it all is the purpose of your eyes first being open to the truth. And then he's going to use that business to bring other people in. If you're not bringing them in, moving them out, bringing them in, training them, moving them out, your life is in vain because you're just gathering wealth for yourself. And it's so empty that when I look at how God speaks to us and reminds us, but didn't you see me? Aren't I the real God? Don't you know that? You just go, yes. <laughs> yes. So anyone has to open their eyes to the one. How can you not open your eyes to the one who truly physically brought the first human being to be born blind, to be born to see? There's a physical understanding of this, and then there's a spiritual application to this. And so, but there's nothing physical if there truly isn't anything spiritual, because the physical is will perish. But the spiritual will last forever. I want things that are going to last forever in my life. And so we have to be opened to seeing who can see and who can't. And the one that can't see, keep walking towards them. <laughs> because that's the mission of your business. It's great when they can see we're still mature. But the ones that it's real exciting. I had to be real exciting when Jean met me. I could not see. <laughs> And here I could be making right decisions, moving along, but I couldn't see. But then once I saw, now I see. <laughs> and you really do recognize the beauty of a true vision. True vision can see. And don't worry about the ones who can't see, but love them. Here he told us how to handle them. Be courteous. Love them as a brother. Do all this good stuff, right? All right.
Time. We are done, but time. 12.01. Excellent. I'm getting good with this time thing. Keep in mind, I'm just going to review the things we've learned this year. The five fundamental steps to transferring the vision correctly. One, write the vision down. We can't push that anymore. Write your vision down. Do this where people can read it and understand it. Trust me, if it's God, it'll last. If it's not God, it'll die. I'm okay. I've written things down and they've died. You know, they just weren't meant to be. All right. Own the vision. We talked in the beginning. If you go back to all the teachings this year, we talked about what it meant to own a vision. When you own a vision, it becomes not impersonal. It becomes personal. It becomes personal. It is a part of your life and it will live. It will stay. That little flicker will live at all times. The third thing is contribute to the vision. All right. If you're not contributing to your vision, if you're just taking from the vision, taking from the vision and taking and then hoping that it's still, then you're not, you have to still give into that vision. It says this can be done with money, with your service, with your talents, prayer, prayer, our prayer, lending your home at, to open a home of peace for, for peace or sonship or evangelizing in your neighborhood. The Lord has really blessed me. When you do open up your home, God is going to bless you to help somebody. If you have space in your home, that space is not to just stay empty. I had a big house and I had rooms that nobody ever lived in. <laughs> just a nice piece of furniture, wood that burns away, right? But when I opened up that home and let people stay in it, the Lord started blessing me. So I want you to think about it. Our money, our services, our talents, our prayer, our home, all these things are to be opened up, that you are to invest them into your vision, whatever vision God has given you. Declare the vision. Declare means, I like this. I looked that word up too. Oh, I don't have that Bible up here. It's to speak out, but there's a greater word that I liked that was in the other Bible. But when you declare, declare, you are actually speaking out the vision. You're putting it out there in that atmosphere. It says you are to repeat it over and over. I liked Peter wrote those words from Psalms and he made up a prayer. Some of them were from Psalms 30. Some were, they were from different Psalms, but he kept speaking out what he had to accomplish, which was not to speak evil, but to what? Speak good. And as he kept speaking it out, he was breaking the heavenlies. He was declaring the measure of the vision he was given at that time. Think about this. We can see the end before the beginning, but every step we're going to give what? An instruction of wisdom. When we get that instruction of wisdom, we have to do what? Declare it. I have to, every year we have to break a measure so that something can move. And it is time for things to move. Because why? People have been declaring out what they've been told. If we declare out what we're going to be, what we, what's told from heaven, then it's going to happen. But it's opening up a way for something to move forward. So we have to declare the vision. We have to speak. And the vision is what he's telling us. Okay, it's weird. Lord will give me these verses. I don't even know why or show me something. I don't know why. And I I just start talking about it. I start speaking it over and over and over. But it starts breaking. I know they're real because what happens? It breaks something. They happen. And when they happen, guess what? He's going to give me what? A new instruction to declare. So you have to declare over and over again in that place of peace. You've got to find the place of peace with it in your home, in your office, wherever you're at. Declare what God has shown you. And then you have to transmit the vision. You have to send forth the people to do it. Okay? This is what I love. I loved it when Platinum, when I, when my life changed, these two guys have never left me. Because it was God's will. It's not in anything that I've done. I haven't done anything to keep them. He has done everything to keep them because there's something between C.E. Hall and Platinum that has to be accomplished for God. It's not even for Gene, and it's not for Gene. They're both named Gene. It's not for either of them. And the sad part is, but in it will be great blessing if they surrender, if they keep surrendering that way. He says he will send forth people to help you. He will send forth help. If we fight it, we actually can punch out the people that are called to help us. And that's a transferring of the vision and activating the process of multiplication in your life. True multiplication doesn't happen in your life until you see the true vision then your business vision will multiply in everything that you need because he trusts you to do the things with it. And what's that? Sewing it. You've got to sew your business into something. You have to. So praise God. Those are the five fundamental steps of transferring 
the vision correctly. If anybody wants them in writing, we have those in writing. If um, Just let Charlena know if you want to have a copy. But praise God, that's the year of vision. That was a great way to end it. It was a good year to talk about vision. I have no idea what we're doing next year yet. I do think it's the word move. I think the next word has to do with movement for next year. I agree because that's the thing the Lord's been putting in my heart. And he's been giving me all this stuff about move, 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 move. That means this next year. Last year, he showed me that we had to get through a door. And the door was going to be a narrow place. And everybody was going to be really, 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 really not wanting to get through that door. All right. And that's really what happened this year. <laughs> there, And everybody kind of felt it. But now the break, it's time for the move. So whoever made it through the door and made it through the times, they'll get to flow with the move. And it'll be a great harvest. So, but people have to, you have to believe in the word of God. And I ask you all to go home. Think in your mind. If you don't think you're in your will, ask him, put me in the will. And then ask him to start showing you something. Open that Bible every day. Worship him. Even if you have no music, you can just still work. I love you. I thank you. I thank you. The first thing we learn is worship is thanking him. And you know what? The Lord always worked love songs in me, still does. I can get a love song, and I was worshiping him the whole time, not even knowing it, because ultimately our true love within us is to connect with his vision, and then we press out the vision that he's given us to accomplish. I love it. Praise God. Any questions? Oh, go ahead. Um, 